The 14th century English mystic Julian of Norwich has been talked about by people in many different ways, but first and foremost, she's the author of an extraordinary text, The Revelations, which is the earliest known text authored by a woman in English. Personally, she has been a friend and companion in my Christian life for over 30 years. I'm the Reverend David Simmons, Episcopal priest and oblate in the Order of Julian of Norwich. Thank you for joining me as we read and pray through the works of this extraordinary woman of faith and explore what she has to teach us about God's love. Hi, and welcome to Love With His Meaning, reading and praying with Julian of Norwich. Let's begin with this morning with the little office that is linked to in the description. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's say together Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God, and listen to my prayer. I call upon you from the ends of the earth with heaviness in my heart. Set me upon the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. I will dwell in your house forever. I will take refuge under the cover of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have granted me the heritage of those who fear your name. Add length of days to the king's life. Let his years extend over many generations. Let him sit enthroned before God forever. Bid love and faithfulness watch over him. So will I always sing the praise of your name, and day by day I will fulfill my vows. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Let us say together a prayer of Julian. God of your goodness, give me yourself, for you are enough to me, and I can ask nothing that is less that can be full honor to you. And if I ask anything that is less, I shall always be in want, for only in you have I all. Amen. So here we are in chapter 79. Also I had in this showing more understanding, when he showed me that I would sin, I applied it simply to my own individual self, for I was not otherwise stirred at that time. But by the high gracious comfort of our Lord which followed afterward, I saw that his meaning was for all mankind, that is to say, all mankind which is sinful and shall be unto the last day, of which group I am a member, as I hope, by the mercy of God, for the blessed comfort that I saw is large enough for us all. And here I was taught that I ought to see my own sin, and not other men's sin, unless it could be for the comfort and help of my fellow Christians. And also in this same showing, where I saw that I would sin, I was taught to be cautious of my own uncertainty, for I am not aware of how I shall fall, nor do I know the measure nor the greatness of my sin, for I fearfully wish to have known that, but to that I receive no answer. Also our gracious Lord at the same time showed me most certainly and powerfully the endless and unchangeability, endlessness and unchangeability of his love, and also by his great goodness and his grace inwardly guarding that his love and that of our soul shall never be separated in two without end. Thus in this fear I have cause for humility that saves me from presumption, and in the blessed showing of love I have cause for true comfort and joy that saves me from despair. All this friendly showing of our gracious Lord 
is a loving lesson and a sweet, gracious teaching from himself in the comforting of our soul. For he wills that we know, by his sweetness and familiar loving, that all that we see or sense within or without, which is in opposition to this, is from the enemy and not from God, such as this, if we are moved to be more heedless of our living or of the keeping of our hearts because we have knowledge of this plenteous love, then we need greatly to beware, for this inclination, if it comes, is untrue, and we ought greatly to hate it, for none of it has any similarity to God's will. When we are fallen because of frailty or blindness, then our gracious Lord inspires us, stirs us, and calls us, and then he wills that we see our wretchedness and humbly let it be acknowledged. But he does not wish us to remain thus, nor does he will that we busy ourselves greatly about accusing ourselves, nor does he will that we be full of misery about ourselves, for he wills that we quickly attend to him. For he stands all alone, and waits for us constantly, sorrowing and mourning until we come, and hastens to take us to himself. For we are his joy and his delight, and he is our cure and our life. Though I say that he stands all alone, I live out speaking of the blessed company of heaven, and speak of his function and his working here on earth, in respect to the circumstances of the showing. So, uh, going back in chapter 78, the previous chapter, uh, we had the entire thing about how God will um, uh, only show us so much of our sin as we can bear at any moment. Um, that doesn't relate to me to this whole idea of God never gives you more than you can bear, because as I've said pre in my preaching often, people are given far more than they can bear sometimes by this life. But in this particular case of like, in our spiritual life, uh, when we're asking to be shown the things that separate us from God, which is the definition, definition of sin. Um, in the last chapter, she was talking about how God doesn't show us the whole bit at the time. God shows us what it is that we can handle, what the, the part that we can address at the time that we're given, uh, so that we don't fall into despair. Because despair seems to be something that um, Julian is really worried about. Um, for most monastics in the Benedictine, especially in the Benedictine tradition, the real um, enemy and real concern is something called acedia, which is a a, a spiritual malaise where you get to the point where just nothing seems to matter. It's it's a, a spiritual slothfulness that makes it so that um, uh, you you can't uh, the meaning of prayer doesn't mean anything to you. All that kind of stuff. It's something that um, that monastics deal with all the time. Um, Julian's by by contrast seems to be more of this uh, worry worrisome that she's going to fall into despair so she spends an awful lot of time about that and i, I talk about the fact that a, there's you know there's a difference between despair and depression you know depression is a is a clinical depression is brought on by psychological or even brain chemical factors that can be addressed um uh, despair is when we kind of voluntarily give up the idea that even God has any control over making things better in our lives or making things more meaningful or showing us the way that we ought to go. Uh, and it can be very difficult because in some ways it's, um, in a certain form, it can be an act of pride because it basically says, um, despair says that there is nobody that can save me, not even God. Uh, so uh, it's something she's really worried about falling into. Um, and she starts off on chapter 79 today, uh, wanting to make sure that it's clear to everybody that when she receives the um, the understanding that she would sin, she applied it to her own individual self. Uh, but she was not otherwise stirred by the time. 
but through her further meditation, she's seen that that uh, all it's uh, all humanity is included in that idea that we all sin. There is no one who is sinless who is a human being. That does not exist, um, uh, except in the person of Jesus, and that's that's a completely different thing. But all humanity, which is sinful and shall be until the last day, uh, so the idea that um, you you're going to change your life and then you're going to be a sinless person. No, that's not going to happen. Uh, the, the things that separate us from God, and they're not always things that we do, they're sometimes things done on our behalf, sometimes things we don't even understand we're doing and are beyond our understanding. There are all sorts of things that separate us from God, and that is what sin is. Sin is everything that separates us from God. Whether we're to blame for it, or we're not to blame for it, or we're not even aware of it. Things just simply separate us from God. And what she sees here is a blessed comfort that she sees this is large enough for all. And this is something that is, seems to be really hard for people in religion. It seems like we're constantly spending our time talking about who's in and who's out. Uh, who is inside the beloved community and who is outside the beloved community. And we're obsessed with what will happen to those people who are outside the beloved community and the punishment that will be meted out. Julian sees in God that's not what is going on here because God has comfort that is large enough for all, for every single person of the human race who has ever been born and ever will be born. That that God's love is so expansive uh, and overwhelming that there is more than enough for you and for me and for everybody else who has ever been human. Um, so, uh, you know, we need to stop these games about deciding who's in and who's out. Her next line is to say, I ought to see my own sin and not other men's sin. This is going back to Jesus's basic thing about uh, judge not let you, lest you be judged. Um, we often get obsessed about seeing what other people are doing wrong. And as back in the gospel, we fail to see the log that's in, we, we see the, the tiny speck that's in somebody else's eye and fail to see the log that's in ours. Um, so she's, she's going back to that very well-known gospel idea. She was taught to be cautious of her own certainty, for she's not aware of how she, she will fall, nor do I know the measure nor the greatness of my sins. We simply do not know, you know, there are certain things that we know that, that are separating us from God, the things that we can confess off the top of our heads that, that we've done wrong, uh, or that we've allowed to happen, or, or all of that kind of stuff. But there are all sorts of things that happen that are unknown to us, that are beyond our control, that separate us from God, that we don't necessarily bear blame for. That's the other problem with sin is we also we often um, couple sin and blame. And Julia is very clear throughout this book that God looks at us with pity and not with blame, that blame is not the point. Of, once again, blame is getting to this whole thing of separating us one from the other. It's 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 inimical to God. It's, it's not something that works in this, this entire idea. So there, there's a huge, you know, we have things that separate us that we don't know how we fall into it, and we don't know the depths of it. We have to trust that God sees it and gives it to us in, in ways that we can understand it. And if we ask for forgiveness, we'll forgive even the stuff that we don't understand that we're doing or that has been done on our behalf or that just sit within our hearts. Thus, in the fear, she has cause for humility that saves her from presumption. So there's two things that she's trying to, to, to get away from here. The first is presumption. So the idea that uh, is um, 
that she has humility that saves us from her from presumption of presuming to know the depths of her sin and, and presuming to be able to rid herself of it completely. And then the blessed showing of love, she has cause for true comfort and joy that saves her from despair. So in, in, in the seeing, um, in, in the fear, which she's talking about, which is that healthy God fear that just acknowledges that I'm human and God is God. And it's the same, it, it's, it's kind of, you know, I, it's not a perfect analogy, but it's the same kind of fear that like when a rabbit stops when, when you see it and it just tries to blend in. And it's, it's just because you're a much bigger thing than it is. God is much bigger than us and God only wants our best, our best interest. But just because of the difference of who we are, this react, natural reaction of fear is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just an acknowledgement that we're not God. And that fear has cause for humility that saves her from presumption. But she's also comforted by this incredible, overwhelming love that saves her from despair. He wants us to know his sweetness and familiar loving that all we see or sense within or without, which is in opposition to this, is from the enemy and not from God. So what she's saying here is uh, the presumption. You know, we talked a little bit about despair. The other thing is the presumption. She says we need to greatly to beware uh, the inclination of because we know God loves us so much that sin is not important at all. It is important. She's trying to reach a balance here, you know, between the idea that sin is nothing, which um, ultimately it isn't, uh, but that it's also something to uh, that's a problem for our souls and our relationship with God. And it's somewhere in the middle. You know, it's 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 meant to be intention. It's not something where there's an absolute answer one one way or another. It's meant to be in the middle, um, and we need to be greatly aware that we not overly count on God's love to the fact that we become blinded to the things that are separating us from God that we could address that God is trying to show us. Uh, then when we're fall we we're fallen, our gracious Lord inspires us, stirs us, and calls us. He he lets. She, uh, she uses some almost prayer-booky language here. Uh, he wills that we see our wretchedness and humbly let it be acknowledged. But he does not wish us to remain thus, nor does he will that we busy ourselves greatly about accusing ourselves, nor does he will that we be full of misery about ourselves. So the point of showing us our sin and us acknowledging our sin is not so we can s sit around in sackcloth and ashes and beating our breasts and all of that stuff. It's not so we can we can wallow in that sin. It's simply so we can quickly attend to him, is, is what she says. Um, you know, there is a place for, um, for contrition, uh, you know, in our uh, Episcopal um, services. And uh, there's always a general confession where we confess our general sins. Uh, same thing in the Presbyterian tradition, of which I'm also a pastor, is the Presbyterians are even a little bit better about it. They're more articulate about about sin. But the whole point is you you do that. Uh, in, in our particular services, we do that right at the beginning of the service because you know it's there. You know there's something wrong. You know there's something that needs to be done in the relationship between you and God. So why not, as Julian says, quickly attend to him? Why not just at the very beginning confess your sins, and then move on so you can spend the rest of the time glorifying God, listening to the Word of God, and participating in the Eucharist. That's kind of the way that I think about this liturgically. Is It's based in my understanding of how Julian talks about this, that we, uh, we're we not supposed to spend all of our time groveling and, and 
and uh, bewailing our sins, we're simply to acknowledge it, we're to um, attend to it, and then turn to God. And this is a really great sentence here. For he stands all alone and waits for us constantly, sorrowing and mourning until we come and hastens to take us to himself. And then in following the following pair uh, sentences, she's very clear that she doesn't think that God actually stands alone, that there's the heavenly host, there's all of that stuff. But she's talking about the way that he stands, um, the his function and his working here on earth. It's as if he stands alone, waiting for each one of us. It, you know, there's, okay, let's go back to that whole uh, metaphor of the servant and the king. Uh, you have uh, the servant who is alone in the pit of his own despair, or the king who is sitting in majesty in a on a throne in a wilderness, you know, is the way. So there's this, there's this aloneness. And the aloneness isn't because God is physically alone, or uh, we're not talking physically anyhow, but it's not because God is really alone. It's because God is, it's as if God is alone for each one of us, waiting for us to return. And um, he hastens to take us to himself. He stands up, you know, it's going back to the parable of the prodigal son. He stands up and runs to meet us, for we are his joy and are his delight, and he is our cure and our life. Let us continue with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I ask your prayers for people uh, being affected by violence throughout the world, particularly the people of Ukraine and Sudan. I ask your prayers for all those being affected by violence here in America. I ask your prayers for all those involved in political strife. And I bid your prayers and intercessions at this time. Let's join together in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Most holy Lord, the ground of our beseeching, who through your servant St. Julian revealed the wonder of your love, grant that as we are created in your nature and restored by your grace, our wills may be so made one with yours that we may come to see you face to face and gaze on you forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining me again for Love Was His Meaning. Until next time, 
thanks for being with me and God bless. Thank you for joining me for Love Was His Meaning today. This podcast is generally available once a week on Thursday. The text of Julian's Revelations used in this podcast is The Complete Julian by Father John Julian Swanson OJN and is used by permission of the Order of Julian of Norwich. The theme music is Julian of Norwich by Bombadil and is used under license.